I hope that you brought a Bible with you this morning. If you did, I'm going to invite you to turn to John chapter 1. Weary? Yes. A week with students will do that. Blessed beyond measure. Beyond measure. We have a fine group of students and folks. I know a lot of people spend a lot of their time talking about how this generation Forget that. I'm just telling you there's great hope in this generation. Great hope in this generation because there's a generation that is falling in love with Jesus in ways that many of their fathers and mothers did not know or begin to understand. And this morning, I just want to kind of give you an idea of what happened this week in, in just a simple sentence. I've been... Um, I've been to Falls Creek. Falls Creek's 102 years old. Hold your breath. Near as I can figure, I've been there 46 years. First time I went to Falls Creek, I think I was three or four years old. My mom was cooking. And I've been there and been there and been there. And I've been there as a student. I've been there as a youth minister. I've been there as a pastor. And amazing things happen. And it's, it's not a place where things happen. It's a place where kids go and are disconnected from everything that distracts them. And that's why things happen. That plus the fact that the gospel is faithfully preached. And I just want you to know, this week, our kids heard the gospel so clearly, so plainly. I have people ask me all the time, well, Tim, what do you know? Of myself, I know very little. But this one thing I know, that God put on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and came to dwell among us. That he was born of a virgin, that he lived a perfect sinless life, and as such he was qualified to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And when he went to the cross, it was not because he was forced, it was not because he was made to, it was because he was compelled by his great love for mankind that he went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And when he stretched out his arms and allowed himself to be attached to that cross by nail, when he shed his blood, when he died, he became our atoning sacrifice for those who will believe and receive the gift of God. That's the gospel, my friends. But understand something, it's not that he died on a cross. No, he died on a cross, but they took the body off the cross. They buried it, and three days later, he came forth alive, and he is still living today and is seated at the right hand of glory, making intercession on our behalf every day. That's the good news. That's what our young people heard. Tuesday evening, as the preacher for the week began again into the gospel, and I mean, he broke it down over the course of five nights. I was sitting in the back row of our students, and we had students, uh, it was Wednesday evening, because we had students behind us, and, and uh, I heard a young man from another group behind me say, I don't know if I can take this all week. I don't want to hear all this Jesus stuff. And it got me thinking. It got me thinking about what ignoring Christ will cost you. I was, forgive me kids, I was thinking it while the preacher was preaching. 
And I had my Bible open to the passage he was preaching out of. It's the one we're going to look at in just a moment, but I wasn't really following him because in my mind I was outlining a whole other sermon <laughs> based on a conversation behind me that I eavesdropped on. But I think it's okay sometimes because sometimes we need to be reminded of simple, straight facts and truths. We need to be reminded of what the gospel is. Listen, the word of God is complex and it contains many great instructions and directions for how to live, how to walk, how to relate, how to work, how to be a worker, how to be a boss. It gives us all kinds of direction. But the bottom line is it's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about the sacrifice that was made, the price that was paid, and what that does in individual hearts. But what happens to that heart who hears the message and says, I don't want to hear this. I don't have time for this Jesus stuff. I, I, I'm happy with my life the way it is. What happens? That's what I want us to think about. In order to get to that place, we need to go back to the beginning of the gospel. And the beginning of the gospel is found in several different variations, but I want us to look together in John chapter 1. If you've got your Bible open to John chapter 1, I'm going to invite you, if you can, and will, to stand with me in honor of our Holy Father as we read together from His inspired Word this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. And he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I pray for us, young and old, everywhere in between, saved and lost, searching and hardened, open and closed. Father, you have power that is beyond our ability to understand, and I pray this morning that you would open closed hearts, that you would soften hard hearts. That you would give to each of us ears to hear that your truth might be applied to our lives. That that truth might resonate within our souls. That we would understand the truth of the gospel. And we would understand the importance of that message for each one of us. Father, I pray for your children that they be strengthened. And I pray for those that you are calling that they would be drawn. Above everything else, Father, I pray that the name of Jesus would be glorified and exalted in this place. Teach us your truth, Father, for we're ready to listen. For we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. John, in his gospel as he begins, paints a picture 
of Christ confronting the human heart. And you say, well, I I didn't see that. I, I didn't understand that. Well, it starts with explaining who he is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. He is not created. He has always been. He always will be. He is the eternal, infinite one. He is the creator. Did you see what it says? Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. If you want to know what the creative force of the universe is, point to Jesus. Because he's it. He is the one in whom the power of creation resides. And we are told that in him was life and that life was the light of men. What's the big deal about that? Oh, the light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood that. The darkness has not comprehended that. The dark, that's the reason our world's in the shape it is. It's because even though the light shines in the darkness, the darkness doesn't get it. And perhaps some of us in this room have come here today and, and maybe we've been in church and maybe we've heard the Word of God preached and maybe we've been attending for years and, and we've gotten into a routine and we've developed a habit, but we still have not understood the light. I pray that today the light would become blinding in your life. Why? Because we live in a culture that has come to a place where many people, like that young man who was sitting behind me the other night, says, I don't want to hear this. I don't have time for this Jesus stuff. I got other stuff I want to do with my life. I have other plans for myself. I I don't want to get into this. Maybe you're that person. You're not saying it out loud because you don't want anybody to hear you. (laughs) That's okay. You're in a safe place. If we're here, we're just going to love you and pray for you. But I want you to understand the truth with me this morning. I want you to understand the truth. If you choose to reject the message of Jesus Christ, if you choose to say, I don't have time for this, understand it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. And I I know people say all the time, well, I'm not sure about this thing. It's not going to cost me anything. I'm just going to do what I want to do and everything will be good. No, it's going to cost you. You see, if you reject the message of Jesus Christ, if you reject the gospel, the good news, it will cost you your position in God's family. Did you hear the end of that passage we read together in verse 12? If you didn't hear that, I want you to keep your Bible open. Go back, look there at verse 12. Look at what he says. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you reject Christ, if you refuse to hear the gospel, if you refuse to respond to the gospel, you forfeit your privilege of being God's child. Now listen, mankind was made in the image and the likeness of God. Who knows that better than the one who created us? He made us in the likeness and the image of God, but that image was forever changed. It was marred when sin came in. Man chose to do his own thing, to make his own decision, to go his own way. Rather than living as God instructed us to live, we chose to do what we wanted to do. Inside of each one of us, lost and saved, there is a capacity for worship. There is a longing to know the one who is greater than ourselves. We have the capacity to be more than just a creature Within creation, John says we have the capacity to become truly the children of God, his sons and daughters. It happens not because I want this, it happens through a spiritual birth. It's a process. 
whereby the Word of God is applied and the Spirit of God draws us toward that Word and those two come together and something amazing happens. We begin to believe this, this gospel, this message that Jesus truly is the Son of God. And whenever we believe that, when we receive that, when we believe in His name, He gives us the right. Did you see that word? Have you got your Bible open? Look at it. Look at it. Look at what He says. He gave the right to become the children of God. Not the option. The right. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He is Messiah, He has given you the right to become children of God. And a lot of people go, well, that's no big deal. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is, my friend. You see, I hear the world all the time saying, well, you know, we're all God's children. No, 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 no. No. Listen, next time you hear that, just tune out. Because you are being lied to. We are not all God's children. We are all God's creation. But only those who know him, only those who believe, only those who have accepted his gift of forgiveness and eternal life through faith and repentance are his children. Now you are either a child of God or you're not a child of God. It's simple. Paul wrote about it. He understood it. Man, he had been on both sides of it. As an adult, he had been on both sides of it. You remember, I mean, he was a persecutor of the church, and then he had that moment when his whole world lit up. I mean, you talk about the light of the world. The light of the world got right in his eyeballs, blinded him on the road to Damascus. And, and Paul writes later, he says, you're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. No other way. And then he says, those of you who have been baptized in Christ Jesus have clothed yourselves with Christ. You put on his righteousness. So you're saying that baptism is essential for me to be saved? No. I'm saying that whenever you accept Christ, when you receive Christ, when you surrender to Christ, you want to identify with Christ. And what did he tell the church? Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if we're not supposed to baptize them, then obviously they're supposed to be baptized. And, and so you have this coming together of faith and belief and new birth and baptism. And it's all one great big bundle of joy in which new life comes and testimony is given. But if you reject the message, you will lose out on the joy of experiencing forgiveness. Let me just tell you something square up. We're all sinners. Does not matter who you are, male, female, young, old, anywhere in between. Doesn't matter whether you are tall or short, thin or not so thin, covered with a beautiful head of hair or somewhat lacking. And none of that matters. It does not matter what the pigmentation of your skin is. It doesn't matter what your first language is or your second language is. It doesn't matter if you have trouble finding out how to understand any kind of language. Here is the reality. We are all sinners. God's Word says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So that price tag is attached to every one of us. There is not one of us who is not a sinner. We are all guilty and there is absolutely no way that any one of us can pay the price for anybody else, let alone for ourselves. But God in His grace and mercy offers us the gift of forgiveness through faith in a perfect Savior. 
And he died in our place. That's the reason that Paul says the wages of sin is death. But, I love that word. I love that little article because that, that tells me right off the bat, even before I finish the rest of the verse, there's hope. Here's the hope. But, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In offering this gift of forgiveness, this gift of life, Jesus declared in John 8, 24, if you do not believe I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Wow. You know, I'm I'm just amazed. That's a verse that doesn't get more press. I, I really am. I mean, did you hear what Jesus said? If you do not believe that I'm the one I say I am, You're going to die in your sins. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. If you want that eternal life, you must believe I am who I claim to be. Who did he claim to be? The son of the living God, born of a virgin, Messiah, the holy one, the anointed one, the hope of the world. That's who he is. Only through Christ, friends, can sin be forgiven. I just want you to understand, you can't be good enough. You can't give enough. You can't go enough. You can't do enough. You cannot help yourself. I can't help you. I can't even help myself. How in the world am I going to? I'm a drowning man trying to save drowning people. But I'm not drowning anymore. Somebody threw me a life preserver. It's named Jesus. Because of him, I share the gospel that was given to me so that I might by some means be able to throw a life preserver to someone else and be able to raise them above the muck and the mire of this world. But understand, it's not about me. It is only through Christ that sin is forgiven. It is only through Christ that new life arrives. It is only through Christ that the penalty of our sins, the wages of sin, are removed. That's it. The only way you get into God's family is to believe in Jesus Christ. That's how you become his child. And if you ignore Jesus Christ, if you reject his claims on your life, it will cost you your position in God's family. But let's not stop there. If you reject or ignore the claims of Christ on your life, it will cost you the peace of God's presence. People want peace. Man, we live in a troubled world. We, love in a place, we live in a place where people are struggling. They're trying to figure out life. They're trying to figure out how to make things work and how to make it come. And people are trying everything. A lot of people think, you know, if I make the right investments and if I build my portfolio and I, I, I gain some, some financial security, that'll give me a sense of peace. No, it won't. I'm just going to tell you something. Peace for heart and mind, that's what you're hungry for, not for your billfold. When peace is absent, fear takes control. So often we look at the world's conditions and and, and fear begins to rise. We begin to think, man, we're living in a place that's falling apart. What can we do? How can we make it? We're just called to be God's people. We're going to make a difference by simply being his people. We are salt and light. We are difference makers. If we will live out the faith he has placed in us, we're not going to find peace in this world. There is no peace in this world except in Jesus Christ. And even that is a peace that is constantly being buffeted and rocked by the effects and the impacts of this world. Peace. Whenever we don't have peace, fear creeps in. What are you afraid of? 
You don't have to tell me. I'm just asking you. You know. Can I tell you something? Over the, over the course of time, I'm going to tell you about the things that I've come to believe. People fear darkness. Now, I, you're saying, not me. I'm not afraid of the dark. Maybe you're not, but you're afraid of what's in the dark. I've never been afraid of the dark, but I'm afraid of what's in the dark sometimes. You hear that sound? Is that somebody walking down the hallway? You ever sat bolt upright in bed and thought to yourself, what was that? You hear something fall. You think you heard the front door shut. And it's not because your kids are coming in late. Darkness. Darkness is where evil... Listen, you read the Word of God over and over. It talks about the things that are done in darkness. Darkness is not where good things happen. Darkness is not where things are in the open and, and obvious and plain. No, it's in the, it's, 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 the dark is where evil lurks. The dark is where evil occurs. The dark is where the thief comes. The dark is where the criminal strikes. The darkness. People are afraid of darkness. And it's no wonder that straight in line with that, I can tell you people are afraid of death. They're afraid of death. Because for a lot of people, they see death and all that. They don't know what's beyond. And so the only thing they think of is darkness. It's just this, this nothing. Darkness and death. Did you see what John said about Jesus? You still got your Bible open? John chapter 1, go back, take a look. Verse 4, verse 5. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. In him was life. Don't worry about death. Here's, here's the, the giver of life. Here's the one who created all life. Here is the one who can forgive sin and grant you eternal life. This is the one who said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly or have it to the fullest. He wants you to experience life at its best. And he wants you to know you have eternal life even when this lifetime is over. It's not darkness. It's glorious, glorious light. Oh. But the darkness... The darkness can't understand that. You see, those who are outside of Christ, it doesn't make any sense to them. This is why Paul said the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It doesn't make sense. When you start talking about Jesus Christ, unless the Spirit of God lifts the blinds on their eyes, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how well you present. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are. It matters whether or not the Spirit of God raises the blinds or the shades on their eyes and lets the light shine in. But when it does, you begin to understand there is glorious light. There is glorious life. Death is not to be feared. Darkness is not to be feared. Why? Because we are walking in the light. And we have been promised life. Life here and now and life eternal. There's peace in that. Doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how long you get to live or you don't get to live. Paul understood it. He said, man, for me, to live is Christ. But to die, to die is gain. 
I mean, if I'm here, I'm going to serve Christ. So for me to live is Christ. But, but for me to die is gain. It means I don't have to mess with this stuff anymore. I don't have to mess with these crazy people anymore. I don't have to worry about persecution. I don't have to worry about prison. I don't have to worry about the enemies. I'm going to go and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, what an amazing thing that is. God's presence brings peace. But if you don't know God, you're not going to know that peace. How do you know God? Through Jesus Christ, his son. That's the gospel. That's the good news. But let me wind this thing up and wind it down, can I? If you choose to reject Christ, if you choose to ignore his claims on your life, it will cost you the promise of an eternal home. How many of y'all like to travel? A few of you? I love to travel. I love to go places. I love to see things. You know, I've come to a realization, though, now that I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm not sure I love to travel that much, as I just like to get away so that I'm excited when I come home. Because one of the best parts of any trip is coming home to your own space, your own place, your own bed. It's glorious. I hear people talk all the time about wanting to put down roots. What what they're saying is, I I want a home. I want a place where I belong. I want a place where I feel like I can always go back there and that's home. Listen, when I was growing up, my daddy always told me, son, wherever me and your mom are, that's home. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter if we move wherever we are. That's home. I still think that. I've told my children that. That's always home. We we may not be in the same house. We may not live in the same town, but wherever we are, that's home. And home is a glorious place that everyone longs for. And, And can I just tell you something? As we're going through this life and through this world, the home at the end of the road is the place I'm beginning to long for more and more. And I know some of you have told me time and time again, I am so ready to go home. I am so ready to meet Jesus. I am so ready to be there. Me too. But for people who don't know what home is, it's a frightening prospect. I love the concept because, you know, I've read the Word of God. I I know Him. And He describes what it's going to be like in that messianic age when we're home. When every man will will be able to to sit beneath his own vine, beneath his own fig tree. We're, We're going to sit in the shadow of God's blessing and prosperity. And I think that's one of the deepest heartfelt needs that every person, young or old, male or female, has. And, and I want to tell you something. I know a lot of people say, oh, preacher, you know, I heard your message, but that didn't answer all my questions. Okay. Can I just tell you something? I can't answer all your questions. Now, Jesus can, but, you know, you're going to have to wait, and he's going to tell you when he wants to. He's going to show you what he wants you to know at the right time. But I can tell you a few things. I can tell you what Jesus did say. Matthew 25, verse 34, he was telling, talking to his friends about the end. And and he was telling them, teaching them in a parable. He said, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed, my father. Take your inheritance. Who gets an inheritance? Children. The children. The children get the inheritance. You remember what he said to those who believed? He gave to them the right to become children of God. 
Here he is in Matthew 25 saying, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed, my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, the very beginning. God has been preparing for us from the very beginning. He's still preparing for us today. I've done way too many funerals in my lifetime. And you know, one of the passages of Scripture that gets used over and over and over, I, I do it too. Funerals and graveside, John chapter 14. And you know what? It is a great passage for giving a word of peace to those who are grieving and sorrowing because death has invaded their family. But I want you to hear me this morning. It's also a great passage to inspire us for living. Y'all know the passage? Maybe, maybe not. You jotted it down the margin so you can go home and look it up. See if I'm telling you the truth. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and take you so that you might be where I am. You know where I'm going. You know the way. And Thomas, one of his closest friends, who'd been with him for three years and listened to him and walked with him and seen everything he did, said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we possibly know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. The only way to get to this eternal home this, this room, this mansion that's prepared is through Jesus. Now, I want you to understand me this morning. The heavenly home of the redeemed is beyond anything we can even begin to describe or understand here this morning. I mean, I could sit and give you all kinds of verbiage because it's been preached on, it's been sung about, it's been taught, and we find it in the Word of God. But I want you to just know this, this eternal home we're talking about is a prepared place for a prepared people where purity will rule and blessings will be perpetual. Heaven is a place where rewards are going to be handed out. You see, God is a father, and he's a gracious father, and he rewards his children. In Revelation 22, 21, we read, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Perfect holiness exists. Uh, this is not in, uh, I've had people tell me, well, I think heaven is here on earth. <laughs> really? Have you ever read the book of Revelation? Revelation 21, 27 says, nothing impure will ever enter it. That's not the world I'm living in. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life? Uh, those who believe. Go back up to John chapter 1. Those who believe. Those who receive. And if you're waiting for something that's plain, simple, applicable, easy to grasp, let me put it in real easy and understand terms in this moment. In that home, there will be no sorrow. There will be no sickness. 
There will be no tears. There will be no more death. There will be no suffering because all of those things are banished from the kingdom of God. Man, I don't know about you. That sounds pretty good to me. That sounds pretty good to me. This week, uh, there were a few times when I just went to sit on my bunk and cry. Yeah. And there were a couple of times when I tried to roll out of my bunk and my body said, not so fast, fat boy. <laughs> and I had to regroup and give it a second try. And there was pain. There was sorrow. You see, when we get to God's house, all that's going to be gone away. But only those who have received into their hearts Jesus Christ, those who have placed their faith in Him as Savior and Lord, will be in possession of that free gift. And do you hear what I said? Only those who have received Him as Savior and Lord. Students, y'all heard this this week. I wish so if I wanted to stand up and give the guy a standing ovation. Because he made a truth plain that I think has often been ignored. Jesus cannot be your Savior unless He is your Lord. And He will not be your Lord until He is your Savior. My friend, the two go together. You don't get salvation as a fire insurance policy. You get salvation because you surrender yourself completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and acknowledge Him day by day, moment by moment as the Lord. It happens when you come to that place where you realize this is the truth. The gospel is Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. And when you are ready to bow before the cross of Jesus Christ and acknowledge your sin and confess it and receive His forgiveness, then you have life. Basically, here's what I'm telling you. Let's get this to a nutshell. I'm going to say this, and some of y'all are going to say, he could have said that to begin with. (laughs) Rejecting Christ will cost you everything that is worth having. He comes to the human heart, and he knocks for entrance. And some of y'all are saying, I don't understand that. That whole concept is just weird to me. Can I just tell you something? If you have never come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it is going to be weird to you. It sounds odd. But once you have experienced it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He begins to knock. He begins to speak. He begins to pull you toward himself. You begin to understand. And by means of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God being opened and shared by those who are the church of Jesus Christ, his bride, he reveals his love for us. He uncovers our need and pushes it to the forefront, revealing the emptiness of our lives apart from God. And he requests the privilege of coming into your heart, cleaning house, taking control. And what do you mean by that? What I mean is, don't be foolish and say to yourself in this moment, well, I'm going to straighten my life up and I'm going to come to Jesus. He doesn't ask you to straighten your life up and come to Him. Don't make the mistake of saying, well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf and then I'm I'm going to get back in church. No. Turning over new leaves does not create life. And getting into church, as much as I want you to be here, that does not give life. Jesus gives life. Well, I'm going to get it all together, preacher. Well, good luck. I've never met anybody in my entire life that's got it all together. 
Bottom line is simple. We come. We come with all of our filth, with all of our sin. We come with all of our wrinkles, our warts, our bumps and our bulges. We come with everything that's good about us, which isn't much. And everything about us that's broken. And we kneel before the cross. We say, here I am. This is not what you created me to be, Father. This is not what you made me for. And I know there's more and I'm asking you for it. So here's my brokenness. Here's my sin. I confess it. I own it. It's mine. But I want you to take it. I want you to wash it away. I want you to come and make me new. Make me a new creation. Live in me. Dwell in me. Possess me. Use me. My friend, in that moment, in that moment, you become a new creation. The Spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, takes up residence in your life. Things change. The old things are gone. All things have become new. But if you ignore Christ, if you reject His claims on your life, it's going to cost you everything. I could sit here and make this easy for everybody to pass under the radar. Who wants to go to heaven when you die? Well, everybody. Who wants to go to hell when you die? Well, nobody. That's not what it's about. It's about being a child of God. Now, I'm just going to stand here before you today, and I'm, I'm going to give you my boast. I am a child of God. Please understand, I am not boasting. I am simply telling you, Jesus has done an amazing work in my life. He has made me something more than I ever could have made of myself. And he has given me a hope and a future that's beyond anything I could ever get. Has he done that for you? If so, you're a child of God. Boast in it. Own it. Be it. But if you're not, I want you to know something this morning. You need Jesus. And he knew you would. And that's why he came, lived the life he did, died the death he did, and rose from the grave because he knew what you would need and he came to provide it. The question is, will you claim it? Because he is a gentleman. He will not kick the door down. He will not force his way into your life. He is going to knock. He is going to call. He is going to draw. But he's going to wait for you to open the door. When he does, he promises the relationship is on. Would you call on him today? Don't pay a price that you don't have to. Rejecting him will cost you everything. But life, forgiveness, hope, light, it's all yours for the asking. 
And he's already paid for it. That's why it's called a gift. He offers it. Will you receive it? Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a, a song of commitment, a song of surrender. I, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God. It, it may be that He's calling you. It may be that He's speaking to you today. It may be for the first time you're realizing, you know what? I've been playing church. I've been going through the motions. I've been walking in and out of church buildings, and, and I've been singing the right songs and maybe even saying the right words, but I've never surrendered my heart. I've never surrendered my life. I've never committed myself to Jesus Christ and let Him be Lord of my life. Do you need to do that today? You can. You can. Would you follow him? Would you become a disciple, a follower, a learner, a student of Jesus? If he's calling you today, I want to invite you to come. Listen, if you've, if you've trusted him, if you know in your heart that you believe in him, I want to ask you this. Have you made that public? Have you let people know, I am a child of God? Jesus said, that if we acknowledge him before men, he will acknowledge us before the Father in heaven. But if we deny him, he will deny us before the Father in heaven. Don't deny him. Acknowledge him. Let people know you're a child of God. Are you following him? Let me ask you this. Have you followed him in baptism? Say, well, no, that's just a church thing. No, that's a first step in being obedient to him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I command you. He told the church, he commanded the church to baptize new believers, new disciples. If he commanded the church to do it, certainly he was commanding the new disciples to be baptized. I don't know what's going on in your head or your heart. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I guarantee you this, he does. And he's speaking to you about it right now. What do you need to do? Just hear his voice and be obedient. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I don't understand sometimes how it is that you speak to us, the, the way you reveal yourself, the way you convict us, the way you draw us. I don't understand how all of it works. I just know it does. I know it does because it happened in my life. I know that it does because you did it to me. And Father, I pray tonight or this morning for all of us in this room. I know that in this room there are some who are lost. And I pray that your Spirit's drawing them. I know that there are some who've been playing church and it's time to get serious about their relationship with you. I pray that you convict them of that. I know that there are some who, who believe but they've not made that public. I pray that they would. I, I know there are some who, who have professed their faith but they've never followed you in baptism. They've never taken that first step of obedience and said, I'm going to take this one because this is easy and then I'm going to do this together with the body of Christ. And maybe you're speaking to them today. Father, I don't know exactly how it works. I just know it does. And I praise you today that I'm a child of the King. And Lord, I pray we would never be satisfied with who we are in Christ and the inheritance that is ours as long as we know that there are those around us who are dying in their sin. There are those who've never heard the truth. There are those who've never heard the good news. They've, they've never even heard the name Jesus. They're still waiting. Oh, Father, weight our hearts down. Burden us that we would serve you and make the name of Jesus known wherever we go. Father, whatever you desire to do in this place, I pray, do it. Have your way. Be glorified. But we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.